We're going to be in 2 Corinthians this morning. That's kind of toward the back of your Bible. 2 Corinthians, it's in the New Testament. There's two of them, 1 and 2 Corinthians. So if you find 1, 2 is right after that. And if you find it, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. The last verse of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, that is verse 18, and then we'll read through about 5, verse 8, somewhere in that area. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, so we do not focus on what is seen but on what is unseen. For what is unseen is temporary. Or excuse me, for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. For we know that if our temporary earthly dwelling is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal dwelling in the heavens, not made with hands. Indeed, we groan in this body, desiring to put on our dwelling from heaven. Since when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. Indeed, we groan while we are in this tent, burdened as we are, because we do not want to be unclothed, but clothed, so that mortality may be swallowed up by life. And the one who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave us the Spirit as a down payment. So we are always confident and know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. And we are confident and satisfied to be out of the body and at home with the Lord. Let's pray. God, we come to you uh, this morning and we thank you for all you do for us. We thank you for uh, the privilege to come here and the blessings that you give us on this earth. But God, I pray that you would help us to... Uh, point our focus towards you this morning, that we realize that uh, while you have given us homes here to live in, in this world, that this world is not our home, God. And help us to look to a future eternity, a home in heaven, dear Lord, that each one in this room has been clothed in the righteousness and forgiveness of Jesus Christ's blood, God, so that we will be apart from this world one day and that each one would be at home with you. So I pray, God, that you would help our focus to be upward. I pray that you would receive the glory today, God, that you would hide me behind the cross and that you would speak through these words to us. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. This is a good text because what Paul is doing as he's talking to the people of Corinth here is he's pointing their attention not just from, uh, from this world to the life to come. He's pointing their attention past everything that is seen in this life and pointing their attention to the hope that is to come in the future life. And that's what he's talking about as he closes uh, in chapter 4 here in verse 18 where he says, we, don't focus, we do not focus on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now let's think about that for a second. What do we see today? What we see today, one of the things we see, we saw as we started service. We had a lengthy prayer list of people who were sick. What we see today is we see the effects of sinfulness and what, what that's caused to happen to our earth that we live on. 
As a result of that, we see uh, diseases. We see the world being destroyed. And, and God never intended for this world to be uh, full of war and, and disease and all these things. God created a perfect Eden, a perfect place. And he created humanity. And when he got through making it, it was good and very good. Everything was good that God had made. But sin came in and took everything that was good and made it bad. And as sin begins to run rampant and progress through the ages, we see what this world has come to. And as a result of that, we see the effects of sin, and it's heartbreaking. Because now we have death. We see, uh, we see disease. We see our loved ones who suffer from cancer. We see all these different things that take place. We have wars. We see uh, people all over the world who are starving. We see these unthinkable things that break our heart. And so what is seen in this world is not much hope. Because when you turn on the news and you read the paper and you look around and you see the sickness, and what kind of hope does the world offer us? There's nothing that the world can offer us. Even uh, the best doctors in the world can't heal cancer, can't heal AIDS. Even the, the smartest politician and governors and, and generals in the world can't stop warfare. Even with all the food and all the great farmers and all the agricultural uh, achievements that we have made throughout the years, we still can't even feed everyone in the world. So when you look at what the world has to offer, there's no hope for anything better than what there is. Not only are things not going to get better, the Bible says as the end draws near, things are going to continue to get worse and worse. And so what we see is tough. What we see in this life is tough. But what Paul is saying, look, don't look at what you can see, but look to what you don't see. Because what we see here is temporary. You see, God has always been. God wasn't created. He has been for all of eternity and will be for all of eternity. And we here on May the 3rd, May the 3rd 2016, we don't even make a blip on the dot of the timeline of eternity. So what we are, what we have for the 70, 80, 90 years that we have on this earth, if we're lucky, is just temporary. But Paul says, look to what is eternal. Look to the future. Look to the hope that God gives us through Jesus Christ. And that's what he goes on to say as we uh, continue to read a little further on into chapter 5. For we know that if our temporary earthly dwelling is destroyed, we talked about that, this world is being destroyed, our earthly dwelling, that is our body and everything uh, that we have around us, we have a building from God and eternal dwelling in the heavens not made with hands. So Paul is talking about something deeper than a physical home. Now look, we all have a home that we live in, praise the Lord. We have walls that were built by human hands, bricks that were put up, uh, a sheetrock that was hung, lights that were hanging, a ceiling, a roof. All these things were made by human hands. But the dwelling that Paul is talking about, he's not talking about a real building. He's not talking about a physical building that God made. He's talking about a spiritual place. He's talking about those mansions in heaven that... The believers in Jesus Christ will get to be at one day. And these are not things that were made by human hands. Look at all the wonderful things that humanity has been able to make throughout the years. Now God has blessed us with some pretty amazing minds. You go back all the way into the old days. You look at the pyramids. It is unbelievable how in the world we still don't know how they built the pyramids. Those things are within just a, a few millimeters, if I'm not mistaken, of being perfectly square. Now, in all the modern tools and equipment, I was building on something yesterday, and I can't even get it squared. And the Egyptians can build a pyramid the size of Liberty. That's 
figuratively speaking, and they can get it squared. You look at all the wonderful, beautiful buildings and things that people have been able to construct, beautiful homes that we see. It's unbelievable what we can build. And if we, as, as mere sinful humans, can build those things, how much greater can God our Father, the creator of heaven and earth, can you imagine the place that he is going to have built for those of you who are his? Those of us who have accepted Jesus Christ, we can't even begin to imagine what God has prepared for us. And Paul is saying, look, don't look at what's seen. Look at what's unseen. Don't look at what's being destroyed. Look at what God has prepared for you in heaven, what will never be destroyed. Heaven is a place where, where moth and rust can't destroy, where nothing can come in, where nothing's going to tear it down, where everything will be beautiful for all of eternity, where you walk out of your, of your house and you, I can't imagine how beautiful it's going to be. You know, here on this earth, we walk out of our house and we got a yard and we got flowers and it's pretty and then the grass grows and then the flowers get weeds and then we got to eat cobwebs on the house. And it's a constant struggle because you got to work hard to keep everything beautiful. Praise the Lord, when we get to heaven, we ain't going to have to work hard because God is going to be there and God God has made everything beautiful, and just being in the presence of God is beautiful enough. That's what Paul is calling us to look forward to here. Not what we see, but what is unseen, what God has prepared for us in the heavens. Indeed, we groan in this body, desiring to put on our dwelling from heaven. Boy, don't we, do, do you guys ever, ever see all the things that are, that are going on in this world, and you just say, God, I just... Ready to go. Ready to go home. Now, I hope none of us is going to jump out in front of a bus, but I don't know about you guys, but I look forward to the day that Jesus Christ is going to return. I'm not saying, oh, please, God, hold off. Please, God, hold off. I'm saying, come, Lord Jesus, come. Because, boy, as soon as he comes back, everything's going to be made right again. And so while we have some good stuff in this world, God has blessed us. Look, we got a table full of good food up here. It's some good stuff. We got coffee to drink. We got cell phones, we can talk to our families, we got houses to live in, we got cars to drive. God has blessed all of us tremendously. And as much as the cool stuff as God has done for me and given me in this life, as much as I love my wife and love my family and love you guys, I don't want to stay on this earth forever. My desire is to be with my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul is saying here, is that our desires are not or shouldn't be Sometimes they are. Sometimes we get too caught up in the worldly stuff. But what Paul is calling us to is saying, look, our desire should not be the things of the world, but our desire should be on God the Father and Jesus Christ. Since when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. Now, that's kind of a... That's kind of an odd thing to throw in there. We're, we're talking about a, a new dwelling, a place that God's built in heaven, and now all of a sudden Paul talks about not being naked. What in the world is he talking about? He's talking about spiritual stuff here. He's using some symbolic language. Now, we can, we can think about being naked. Maybe you think about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3. Now, God made them, and they were naked, and everything was good. They didn't know any sin. They hadn't done any wrong. God was taking care of them. He gave them one command, though. He said, don't eat from this one tree. Well, the serpent, the devil... He come in there, he convinced them. He just convinced them to justify their sinfulness. It's okay, God's hiding something from you. Eat this from this tree, nothing's gonna happen, everything's gonna be fine. Well, Adam and Eve both gave in. They ate from the tree, and the Bible says that instantly their eyes were open and they realized they were naked. And God came down uh, through the garden among them, 
And when God came down through the garden among them, Adam and Eve hid. And God said, why are you hiding? And Adam said, I was afraid. We were afraid because we are naked. You see, that's symbolic of their spirituality. You see, before there was sin, they knew no shame. They didn't realize they were naked because there was no sinfulness. But as soon as a sin enters our life, our eyes are open to our spiritual nakedness. We should be ashamed of our sinfulness. Too many times we embrace our sinfulness. Shame is something that there is far too little of in this world today. Not only are people not ashamed of their sinful lives, they're proud of their sinful lives. Well, we see in the Bible that that's going to take place, that there are going to be people like that. But what we see in this day and age is sometimes we may become proud of our sinful life. We see people posting stuff all over Facebook and Twitter. Fifty years ago, nobody ever would have mentioned those things in public. And nowadays, everybody's proud to let the world know, this is what I did. Look at me. There's no shame. For many people in this world, they don't ever turn to Jesus Christ because there's no shame. They would rather live on their sinfulness. They don't recognize that they are naked and shameful. I had this reoccurring dream for a long time, and I, I hadn't had it in a while, but I'm at school, and I'm sitting at my desk, and I look down and I realize that all I'm wearing is a shirt. I've got nothing else on, and I think, how in the world did I get to school with nothing on but a shirt. So I said, I gotta get to, so I go to the bathroom, I got my shirt, and I'm I'm, I'm going in there and I, I get to the bathroom. As soon as I get in the bathroom, my shirt disappears. And now I'm stuck in a stall and I'm thinking, what am I gonna do? I'm I'm naked. If anybody sees me, I'm gonna be so embarrassed, I'm gonna be so ashamed. And so I'm trying to come up with anything I can. I get rolls of toilet paper from the toilet and I start wrapping them around me. I look like a mummy. I'm trying to cover myself up because I'm ashamed that someone is going to see my nakedness in a dream. And then praise the Lord, I wake up and it's always just a dream. But that's how it should be for us in our sinfulness. You see, as we go through life and we sin and we begin to read God's Word, and it begins to point out those things that are sins in our life. And what we thought was good clothing that we were covered with, we realized, uh-oh, this is sin, this is sin, and we realize our nakedness. And our reaction should be that we want to cover that up. <coughs> but we can't cover that up with a shirt or pants or toilet paper. Our sinfulness can't be covered up with anything physical that we can do. Our sinfulness is only covered up by Jesus Christ and the blood that He shed on the cross. And it's when we are clothed with Jesus Christ that we are no longer found naked. And that's what Paul is talking about here when he talks about not being naked anymore, but being clothed. Indeed, read, uh, uh, read a little further in verse 4. Indeed, we groan while we are in this tent, burdened as we are, because we do not want to be unclothed, but clothed so that mortality may be swallowed up by life. He uses another illustration here. We talk about being naked. Now all of a sudden he's talking about a tent. What in the world is he talking about? Well, when Paul's talking about a tent here, he's talking about our earthly bodies. That is, these things that are going to pass away. These earthly bodies aren't very stable. They're not very strong. They're not going to hold up. They're not going to last for a long time. He said, indeed, we grow while we are in this tent. Now, I don't know about you guys, if you've ever spent time in a tent, but they're good to have and good to be in for a little while, but 
tents typically don't hold up very good. Now, a few years ago, we went over to Vance Park, just down the road here, and we had a father-son camp out with our kids from the church. And I bet you there were, there were 20 or 25 men and boys there. It was great. We had spent all day there. The boys got to do some swimming. We got to do some hiking. We grilled burgers. Everybody had come. Everybody had set up their tents along there. It was just tents all wrapped around. It was fantastic. We were having a great day. And then night came, and as night fell, we began to, a little wind come in, a little thunder, a little rain started to drizzle. Next thing we know, it was the storm of all storms that had come through Liberty. I'm telling you, it was rain, wind blowing, it was lightning, it was thunder. And next thing I know, I'm seeing people get to higher ground. They getting in their cars, they taking off, they going home, they're not sticking around for nothing. Woke up the next morning, it was four of us left, of all the people there. Everybody else had left to find shelter in a better place. Why? Because as I looked out across there, everybody's tents were, they were mangled, they were blown over, they were full of water. Everything in there, their blankets, everything in there was getting destroyed. The tent was destroyed, it leaked, it didn't hold up. And that's how our bodies are. You see, our, we, we go through the storms of life, all the things that, that come upon us, all the physical things, all the sinful things, just the normal stresses of life. And these old bodies, they just don't last forever. They're like a tent in a storm. Eventually, they're not going to hold up to the storm. But what we need to realize is that as our tent is being destroyed, we don't need to be foolish enough to sit in there and be destroyed with it. We need to look for higher ground. And it would have been foolish for them people to stay in their tents and get soaking wet and sick when there was a home on a firm foundation they could have stood on. And as Christians, spiritually, that's what we need to realize. We don't want to stay in these tents that are being destroyed. There are many people who are apart from Jesus Christ who are living in these earthly tents and they are going to be destroyed with them. But what God calls us to is to look for higher ground and that higher ground is at the foot of the cross. Or we will be a spare from the destruction that is coming and experience the salvation of Jesus Christ. And the one who prepared for us this very purpose is God who gave us the Spirit as a down payment. It's God who is doing the good work for us. It's God who has prepared a place for us. It's God who is preparing us to be with Him, to dwell with Him forever and all of eternity in heaven. And the good part is the end of that verse. Who gave us the Spirit as a down payment. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we get the Holy Spirit. Jesus told His disciples, I'm going to leave you, but look, I'm going to send one to you, a counselor. That is the Holy Spirit who is going to come and indwell in you. And when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit indwells in us, and the Bible tells us that that is God's down payment to assure that He is going to pay in full, or Jesus has paid in full, and that He is going to come back and collect what is His. We understand what a down payment is. You want to buy a car, you want to buy a house, you want to buy something, maybe you don't have all the money, or you need somebody to hold it for you till you get all the money, you give them a little bit of a down payment, and that's your word saying, I'm going to come back and I'm going to get this. And that's what God is saying here. God says when you accept Jesus Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit, and that's the down payment. That's God telling you, look, I'm coming back for you, and this is the assurance that you are mine. 
God is saying this is the assurance that everything has been paid. It is taken care of. Look, sometimes we don't pay our bills on some, some, some on time. Sometimes we let our bills fall by the wayside. Sometimes uh, we make a down payment and we're not able to follow through and pay stuff off. But I guarantee you God is able to. God is a good manager of his money. And God has paid it all through Jesus Christ. And when God says he's given a down payment, you can rest assured he's going to collect on you. And he's going to pay the rest through Jesus Christ if you accept it. So we are always confident and know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. And we are confident and satisfied to be out of the body and at home with the Lord. Paul was looking past this life. Paul was looking forward to the day that he would be out of this body, out of this old tent, out of this sinful world, and to be at home with the Lord. But to have, a, to have a future with the Lord, you've got to build a foundation on something other than sandy ground. You can't just trust in these, this old tent and these old worldly things to get, to get you through. Jesus tells us at the end of the Sermon on the Mount that there were two men. One was foolish and one was wise. He said that the wise man, uh, excuse me, the foolish man built a house on sandy, sandy ground. And when the storms came and the winds blew, that house was completely destroyed because the foundation couldn't hold up. But he said that there was a wise man, and he built this house on solid rock. And when the wind came and the storm blew, that that house withstood. And Jesus said, whoever hears these words of mine and does them is the wise man. Now, I don't know what you got your foundation built on today. I don't know what you got your tent built on, but I want you to not focus on this tent, but focus on Jesus Christ, who is a foundation who has died for you. A foundation who has paid it all for you so that when he comes back, he can collect you. So that when he comes back, he can take you to a wonderful and glorious place where there is no more sin. A place that has been prepared for you. But you can only go to that place if you've accepted Jesus Christ and made it your foundation. Have you made Jesus your foundation today? Have you been clothed? Are you naked and afraid in your sinfulness? Jesus Christ can clothe you and give you peace if you trust Him. Let's pray. God, I come to you this morning and I thank you for these good words, dear Lord. It's a, a lot for us to soak in. We covered some ground today, God, but we thank you for the goodness of your word and your message and for Jesus Christ. And I pray that you would uh, just bless each one of us as we leave this place today, God, that you would help us to have a good week this week, uh, that you would help everybody to uh, just be safe in everything that they do. And most importantly, God, that you would help us to be a light for you in this world. And we ask these things in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.